and a half ago, I was reading the, um, the news, and I opened it up, and um, it's Friday morning, and the headline was something about um, a three-year-old boy goes missing and is found, and so it gets my attention, so I'm, I'm reading through it, and there's this great-grandmother that was watching her great-grandson and a couple other of his cousins, and they're playing in the backyard in North Carolina, and two cousins come inside, and the great-grandmother's not paying too much attention. You know, she's preoccupied getting things um, ready for, for lunch and changing diapers and just all, all those things, and she realizes after a little while, oh, the, my three-year-old great-grandson didn't come in, and so instantly she does um, what any person would do. She goes out in the yard and starts calling his name and he doesn't come. And so she's searching all over the place and she can't find her great grandson. And so after 45 minutes of getting her, her family to look, they cannot find this boy. You know, they're surrounded by about a thousand acres of woods. So um, not a very good situation to be in. So she calls the search and rescue team. They instantly deploy helicopters and they get the dogs out and they get drones flying around and they get this search and rescue team. They get all these volunteers um, to come look for this one little boy. And they realize that all these volunteers showed up, but the conditions are so hard. They had to harsh. They, they send volunteers home. They're like, you don't need to be out there. And so you're, I'm reading this article. I'm going, man, this is, this is not sounding good. And so two nights pass. And these people have been just combing through thousands of acres and, and they, they hear this boy calling for his mom. And, and they go over and they find this little boy and he's caught up in these briars and he's just calling for his mom. And so they, they cut him out of the briars and they take him to the hospital and for somehow the, the boy is completely okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with him. And, and I'm just sitting there in my chair. It's one of the first things that I'm reading on Friday morning. And I'm like, Lord, why did you let this be in the news? I don't want to read this. And, and it just got, took my heart on a roller coaster as I was thinking about that that moment and what everyone in the story was feeling. You know, I was thinking about what the great-grandmother was feeling, like just absolute devastation. Like, you know that she's sitting there going, I can't believe I wasn't paying more attention. I can't believe this was my fault. I can't believe he got away. And, and you can just imagine the, the torment. Like, I wonder if she even slept those two nights. You think about the, the, the little boy. I don't know if you've ever been lost before, but maybe if you were lost as a kid, just that feeling. You know, I, I see the, the look on my kids' faces when, when they're calling to me and I don't come and, 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 and the, the fear that sets in. The, and you can just imagine being out in the woods, being two nights in the dark, wondering, is anyone gonna find me? I think about the search and rescue team that, that just doesn't stop for, for three days. It's just this relentless pursuit. We're gonna find this boy, you know, and, and, and then I think about the reunion. That moment that, that the mom gets to hold her son again, the dad gets to see his son, that great-grandmother realizes, oh, he is okay. And I just was, was reading that story two days before we stepped into this season of praying and fasting. You know, we're partnering with 410 other churches in Nashville alone. Think about how awesome that is. Around 30,000 other Christians in our city every day praying by name for every person that lives in Nashville. Praying for these people that, that most of us, you don't know anyone on your list, but they are people that God loves, that God created in God's image. And many of these people we're praying for, man, they don't have the slightest clue about the, the heart of God for them. They don't know how kind God is. 
And what we're praying as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, our church with Christians all over our city is that, is that those three-year-old boys that are crying out for God, the metaphorical kids in our city that are missing, that they would be rescued. That they would come to experience the grace of Jesus and the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the kind heart of Father God. That they would experience the, how good life is with God. It doesn't mean that life is easy. It doesn't mean that life is perfect. It means that we have found the one our hearts long for. We have found the one who, who took our place, who died for us. We are praying that the people in, in the city would have a rich and a real encounter with a God who hears us and who comforts us and who heals us and who loves us and sustains us. And I'm going, man, God, would you let this be the season in Nashville where all of your lost kids are found, amen? Yeah. And it's happening. And I hope that we have the, the faith to keep believing, to keep leaning in. Both the, the men's and the women's prison in Nashville, some believers heard um, what was going on in Nashville. And so some incarcerated men and some incarcerated women said, hey, we want to be a part of that. And so in, in the prisons here in Nashville, the believers are, are gathering the names of all the inmates and they're dispersing it among believers in prisons to pray for the people that they would encounter the grace of God. Is that not amazing? Do you know that, that every day last week that, that people, different churches in Antioch and in Smyrna and all over our city gathered every night last week to pray on behalf of the lost? Do you know that there are intercessors, that there are people on college campuses praying for every college campus in Nashville, um, doing prayer walks? Last Wednesday, a spontaneous time of prayer and worship broke out on Belmont University's campus. 25 people give their lives to Jesus. It is happening in our city. Do you see it? For the next few weeks, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at these different stories that Jesus tells us about what God is doing in our world right now. This is not what God was doing 2,000 years ago. It's about what God is doing right now in our midst, and he's going to tell us about what happens in the heart of God when people who are missing, when people who are caught up in the briars get found. And Today, we're going to look at one of those stories. I love the story that Kalela just read to us. And Jesus begins these, this set of three stories and some helpful context for us. He's talking to, to two different groups of people, but they're in the same audience. But there are two different complete heart dispositions towards Jesus, towards his ministry, towards the stories that he is sharing. There are those that are resistant to Jesus, and then there are those that are receptive to Jesus. And so you look at the life of Jesus and he's healing people and he's speaking worth to people and he's telling people that they matter to God. And, and in the wake of Jesus's ministry, man, there is freedom and there is joy and there is healing all in these people's lives. And there's this group, they're unbelievably resistant to Jesus. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they see and they hear all that Jesus is doing and yet they refuse to receive it. Because Jesus' actions didn't line up with their own interpretations of the scripture, they in turn refused to open their hearts to Jesus. They refused to open their eyes. 
their hearts and their lives were marked with resistance. And then the other group, the tax collectors and sinners, man, they, the scriptures tell us that they were gathering around to hear Jesus. They were marked with humility and a hunger for truth, no matter what that truth was. They were marked with, 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 with the desire to know Jesus. And I ask you, just very pointedly, no one can answer this question for you, but you have to ask yourself, who are you? When you get past the titles, man, what is the, the disposition of your heart this morning? Maybe not just this morning, but in all of life. What is the disposition of your heart towards Jesus? Towards people in your house church that are trying to follow Jesus? Towards Sundays where the people of Jesus gather towards scripture, his spoken word? What's the disposition of your heart? Are you resistant? Are you skeptical? Are you standoffish? Are you critical of everything and everyone, every word that people speak, everything that they do? Are you judgmental? Are you gossiping? Are you resistant? Or are you receptive? Are you humble? Are you hungry? Are you willing to hear? Are you willing to be bent? And what I love about Jesus is he speaks to both because his heart is for both. He's, he's not worried about being right. He wants us to be rescued. And so he tells both groups of people in this story in verse three, suppose one of you, sorry, verse four, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home and he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. And so Jesus is telling us what God is like. But beyond that, he's telling us what God is doing. Right now, what God is doing. I've never owned sheep. I have zero desire to own sheep. <laughs> and when I read this story, honestly, my, my, my first thought is, Dude, you, already, you have 99. Is one that big of a deal? Do any of you guys read that and think that? Like, raise your hands if you're courageous enough. Am I the only one? Is one that big a deal? You know, to a shepherd that, that loves their sheep, whose job was to lead the sheep to places where they could eat and drink and rest in safety to a shepherd who had been entrusted with other people's sheep because this is the way that things so often worked 2,000 years ago. Everyone didn't have sheep and take care of their sheep all day. No, one person or two people from the village would care for the, the sheep of the village. It was a big deal to lose your sheep, but it's even a bigger deal to lose someone else's sheep. A sheep that you were at the bare minimum responsible for, but more than likely, a, she a sheep that you knew. A sheep that you had risked your life for before. A sheep that you had navigated the elements. I mean, you, you stayed out in the rain, in the snow, in the, the hot Middle Eastern sun. A sheep that you had risked your life for before. That when lions and bears and wolves came along, you didn't just let the sheep be drawn away. You went after it. You sacrificed sleep. You sacrificed your own safety for them. They mattered to you. So yeah, Brandon, one sheep's a pretty big deal. You know, the reality, thinking about in, in our 
context in our culture, when there's an Amber Alert and all of our phones go off, you know, we don't all stop what we're doing and all get on the interstate and go looking, right? Like I've been in, in crowds before where everyone's phone went off and it's like, what's going on? And, and someone's missing. And, and it wasn't this mass exodus of, hey, we're gonna find this person. I hope that you're praying and that you're looking for that white Nissan or whatever it is that, that they, they talked about. But, but the reality is we don't all just put everything on pause when someone goes missing. But if my wife, Courtney, goes missing, or if my kids go missing, or if I hear that Paul is missing, or if I hear that, that, that Dave and Katie's son, Hollis, is missing, you better believe everything on life is getting put on pause. Like if Keila is missing, I'm not gonna be like, well, you know, I've got a four o'clock coffee meeting and, and then I need to go to the gym because, you know, I gotta take care of my heart and then I'm gonna be hungry so I'm gonna eat supper and then after all those things are done, then I'll go looking for no, when someone you care about, when someone you love is missing, it consumes you. No one has to tell you to go looking. And Jesus says, you want to know what God is like? This is what God is like. It consumes God's heart. That God is always going after the one. Always. You think about how a sheep gets lost. We were doing some research on sheep this week and what we discovered is that a sheep's instinct is always to be in a pact. It's never to be alone. In fact, when a sheep gets alone, it becomes agitated. They begin to realize, man, this is not where I am supposed to be. And a lot of times, man, it's not because the, the sheep just hates the shepherd and hates all the other sheep. No, the sheep got distracted. Its head was down. It was eating. It wasn't paying attention. The sheep got deceived. The, the sheep became curious and their curiosity led to somewhere they never intended to be. And I go, I think a lot of us how many of us, man, we find ourselves caught up in things right now, like very real on a personal level? How many of you are caught up in things right now? Not because, man, you started out on this path of rebellion, but because you got distracted somewhere along the way. You were deceived. Your curiosity led you somewhere that you never intended to go. How many of us have wandered from God and we never wanted to be that way? Man, you, you, you never knew that, that looking at that nude image at your friend's house would lead to such a stronghold on your life. It would lead you to feeling so isolated, so ashamed, so powerless. You never intended to have an emotional affair with that man who's married, with that coworker of yours, man, you were just curious about what was going on in their life. You cared and you asked and you never intended to get in like this. You feel trapped, you feel scared, you feel helpless. You never intended to drift far away from God. It started out, I'm just gonna take one day off from reading and praying. And that turned into two and that turned into a week and it turned into a month and it turned into months and you look at your life and you are so disappointed in yourself for ignoring, you feel like there's no hope. 
if any of this is you, if you feel lost, if you feel confused, if you feel alone, if you feel helpless, if you feel scared, if you can't hear the Lord, if you can't see the Lord, if you're somewhere you've never been and you have no idea how to get out, this story is the best news possible. What do you have to do? What do I have to do? That's a, that's a cry of our heart so often. I just want out, God, help me. I don't know what to do. What does a sheep do in this story? Here's what the sheep does. The sheep sees a shepherd, lets down his guard, and lets the shepherd pick the sheep up and put it on his shoulders. You know, I love that, that it's the shepherd that goes looking for the sheep. It's the shepherd that finds the sheep. It's not that the sheep wanders back. I go, how do we let ourselves be rescued? If you come here this morning and you feel like that kid that's trapped in the briars and you want out and you want intimacy with God and, and you want breakthrough and you want this addiction to be dealt with, what do I do? I want you to take the cues from the sheep and the story. See Jesus. Just see the way that he's pursuing you and have the faith to call it for what it is. So many of you come here this morning and I'm saying this and you're going, man, I wish God was pursuing. God is pursuing you. You're like, how do you know that? How do I know that? Because you're here this morning. I don't know what you were doing last night. I don't know what you were doing this week, but somehow you made the conscious choice in the midst of all of this, the, the being caught in the briars and all the confusion, you made the choice. I'm gonna come and be in the presence of God with other believers, with other people who are searching for God. And it wasn't because you're so awesome. It's because a shepherd was searching for you and you had the ability to see it. Amen? Some of you read your Bible and it spoke right into your soul. Why? Because a shepherd is after you. A friend said something to you and it just pierced you or you had a dream. All these ways that God speaks to us, that God pursues us and, and you are here right now. Why? Because God is relentlessly after you and me. And he's relentlessly after those in their city that don't yet know him. There's this passage in the Old Testament that says that book of Job and my friend Josh quoted it to me this week. He says that God is always speaking. We just rarely are perceiving. Do we see Jesus? Do we see what he's doing? Second thing that we have to do is to let our guard down. You realize that, that one of the things that will keep the shepherd from getting a hold of the sheep is the squirminess of the, the squirminess, is that a word, of, of the sheep? of kicking and moving and not letting the shepherd pick it up. And the only thing the sheep has to do is just to be still, just to, to stop. We had a really awesome day yesterday as a family. First stitches in our kids. It was awesome. We were family walk, you know, 60 degrees outside, family walk around the neighborhood. Kids are on the Razor scooters, see this big hill. Finley's got one foot on the scooter, one foot off. She starts getting shaky. She does Superman and her elbow, there's like just this little flap of skin holding off. And we're like, we, yeah, we need to take her. And 
So we take her to, to get stitches and, and she's freaking out. She's like, I don't want to get stitches. I don't want to get stitches. We're like, do you know what stitches are? She's like, no. We're like, <laughs> so we're in there and the, the nurse practitioner is like, we, I think we probably need some stitches. And, 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 and so the, the, she said this to us. She said, but, but she's going to have to be still. So she, I sat in my lap and I held her and like a champ, she just took it. And the nurse practitioner's like, I've seen grown men not be as tough as you. <laughs> Made me so proud. She just held that arm. The only way she's gonna get better if she can let the one who knows what they're doing get to her. And by moving, it's only gonna make things harder. And so many of us, man, we, we just have to, to let our guard down, to stop, just to, to be still. And what this looks like in the spiritual world is just admitting, is stopping, saying, God, I need you. And I want you, God. Literally, it's, it's in your head. It's closing your eyes because God hears our prayers. And if this is you this morning, you go, man, I want out. I want back with God. I want this thing to, to stop plaguing my life. Close your eyes and pray to God. God, I need you. It's a prayer that God loves to answer. And when we see Jesus, we put our, let our guard down. He puts us on his shoulders. You know, the, the shepherd in this story, he, he could have put a leash. I don't think you really do that on sheep, but you do that on dogs, right? When, when your dog runs away and you catch your dog, you put it on the leash and you drag that home. You're like, when we get home, right? And, and he could have made the sheep walk. He could have harassed the sheep. You are such, you're in trouble when you get home. But what does he do? I don't know how heavy sheep are, but he puts the sheep on his shoulders. He bears the weight. He bears the consequence of the sheep's decision. The sheep ran off. The sheep got lost and he doesn't make the sheep walk home. What does he do? No, he carries the sheep back home. He bears the consequences on his own shoulders. This is, this is Jesus. This is 1 Peter 2. It says he bore our sins in his body on the cross this is 2 Corinthians 5. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. And so what happens when you and I come to this place where, where we see Jesus and we understand that, that we need him and he starts to carry us? What does that look like? We start to give him and we start to understand that he is carrying us. By faith, we understand that, that we are forgiven. By faith, we start living into this. By faith, we let him put us on his shoulders. And he's proud of us. God is proud of you, Amanda. And he's proud of you, Kevin. He's proud of us. And for us to believe that so many times, we're the sheep and we run away and we spend the rest of our lives looking down and we're going, man, I can't believe I did that. No, he puts us on his shoulders for all to see. Do you believe that? that Jesus on the cross paid for all your sins, that Jesus is proud to be associated with you, that Jesus is proud to carry all of your sin and all your shame. He is proud to carry it. And he's proud to carry you. 
And he's proud to be associated with you. He's proud that you wear his name. And the question is, are, are we proud to be associated with him? Are we willing to accept his forgiveness? Are we, are we willing to accept fully that he's taking our sin, that he's taken our shame, that we are free indeed? Are we willing to accept the life that he has for us? Are we willing to give our lives to him in baptism? Are we willing to spend our lives being thankful for the one who came looking for us when we didn't know what to do? The pursuit of God for his lost children is unrelenting and it's so real. Amen. You wanna know what God is doing? Jesus said he's looking for his lost kids. He's looking for his missed kids. You know, I became a Christian when I was young. I was in fifth grade and my journey is so messy. It wasn't this, give my life to Jesus and then the rest of my life, just this upward battle, you know, like me just killing it in the Lord. Like, no, the, the reality that so much of my life was rebellion, so much of my life was wondering, so much of my life was, is getting caught up in things that, that I didn't know where they were going to lead, some that I did know and some that I didn't. And you know what keeps bringing me back? It's not that I'm this perfect man. It's not that I'm this put together man. It's the love of Jesus. It's, it's, it's that I believe that on the cross, Jesus died for me. And you're gonna have to, to really wrestle with that, that Jesus didn't just die for the person beside you, that on that cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them. And that was for you. What keeps bringing me back to God is not my perfection, it's my imperfection. It's, it's Romans chapter eight that I'm convinced that, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you believe it? Are you anchored in the love of God? What keeps bringing me back, no matter how many times I fall short, no matter how many times I, I'm, I'm short-tempered with my wife, how many times I'm selfish, how many times I, I get it wrong, how many times I let thoughts stay in my head for too long. He keeps calling to me and he keeps calling to you, come back. Let me take that from you. You know, and when you've, when you've recently been found by God or when you've had a fresh encounter with the grace of God, man, you quickly want others to be found too. It's one of my favorite things about being around new believers, new Christians. They're always inviting their friends and they're always talking about what God did and who they were and what God is doing in their lives. They're always talking about God. I go, but what about those of us who've been found for a really, really long time? And my guess is that there are, quite a few this morning. A few things. May we never do anything but rejoice when people come back to God. Jesus tells us in this verse, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents and over 99 who do not need to repent. You know, I think sometimes you and I maybe I, just I, maybe you're not this way, but we can become so critical of people. I can become so critical of people. They have people in your house, church, you have people that you're friends with and they're just passionate about God. Like they're going after God for like six months and then you don't see them for the next year. And then all of a sudden they, they come back, they start coming back to church, they start coming back to house church and they're all in for a month and, and then they disappear for another few months. 
And they come back and, and, and it's easy to develop this, this culture of cynicism instead of embracing the culture of celebration. And if there's anything in our hearts that is cynical or critical of people, that is from hell, that is not from heaven. Because in heaven, there's rejoicing when people come back. And may we not make it hard for people to come back to God. May we celebrate, may the joy and the celebration of heaven fill our hearts when people come back. When we see people making strides for God, reading the Bible and praying and coming back, let's not make it hard for them because we don't want people to make it hard on us, amen? Let's remember how God always welcomes us back. Second thing for those of us who have been found for a long time, I think we can get really comfortable being around the 99 and, and we can lose sight of the one that's missing. And so often God chooses to pursue his lost kids through who? Through us. You know, one week I was over at one of our other campuses and I got a text later that afternoon, hey, we, we missed you this morning, we missed your family this morning. And it just does something in us. Have you ever got a text like that when, when you've not been here? It just, it means the world to you when someone says, hey, I noticed that you weren't here and I missed you. And I hope that's the way that we're moving as a church family, that, that when someone isn't here, they're, they're not beside you, that you reach out to them and you let them know, hey, we missed you today. That is our job. That is what it means to be a mature Christian. We gotta quit acting like, like babies. We're always thinking about us. Man, no one missed me today. No one reached out to me. Let's grow up in God. And let's start thinking like spiritual parents instead of spiritual infants. And we go, who are the people beside us that used to be beside us that aren't here for? And may we be the ones that get serious about this. That you look out for others but it extends beyond just people who are normally here. It's those that don't know God at all. It's the metaphorical three-year-olds that have wandered away. Like there are people in our city right now, they have wandered away from God and they have no idea how to get back. They're alone and they're scared and they're confused and may the pursuit of God flow through us. May the pursuit of God for their heart, for their salvation, for their peace, for their joy, for their celebration, may it flow through us. You look at your life and you're going, yeah, Brandon, but I'm, I don't, I'm never around people that aren't followers of Jesus. I'm always around God's people. Okay, then start setting out some time to be around people that, that don't know Jesus. And we prioritize things. We prioritize the gym. We prioritize our TV show. We prioritize dinner. Let's start making it a priority to be around people, if you're not already, that don't know God. May we invite people to church. May we invite people to house church. May we invite people to dinner at our house. And may we pray for them. May we love them and share what God is like and what God has done and what God is doing. In a few weeks as a church family, we're gonna have a time for people to give their lives to Jesus in baptism. And may the celebration of heaven fill the room as we welcome missing children back home. And I'm just telling you, it's so much sweeter if, if we get to be a part of that process. 
So for those of us who are followers of Jesus, man, God has, has sent us out. And it's scary. And I know some of you are so afraid. Man, I'm going to mess this up. You might mess it up. God's the great redeemer. Let's talk about God and invite people to God. I want to encourage you all, personally invite people that don't know Jesus to come with you to church. Like you found something in God. You believe that God is good. There's nothing to be ashamed of inviting them to come in the presence of God and let God speak to them. May that be our posture. Okay, I'm done talking. Let's, I'm gonna give us the next 10 minutes and invite you to throw that slide up on the, the screen. I wanna invite you to, to get with two or three other people around you. And, and, and we're in this season of prayer and, and of fasting as individuals. And we'd be ridiculous if we didn't do that together. And so this morning, here's what I wanna invite us to do. And you can be as vulnerable as you want. I'd encourage you to really do that because it just matters a whole lot more and that God sees through it and it maximizes our time. But I wanna just and ask you to, to take a little inventory and go, man, who do I identify with in this story? They're gonna keep this, up the whole time we're praying. And so, man, are you, are you a wandering sheep? Is that your life? Is that where you are right now? And I just encourage you as you're praying, just to pray out loud, God, let this be your prayer. Will you rescue me? And you can pray more than that, but, but these are just to, to, to give us something to jump off of. God, will you rescue me? Are you a, a found sheep that is on the shoulders right now? Have you had a fresh encounter with his grace? Then, then thank him for finding you and go, God, would you show me why I wondered? And would you teach me to abide in you so that I don't do that again? Are you one of the 99? God, ask, ask God, God, who are those that are missing and what can I do to help? Are you the shepherd right now? And some of you, this is who you really are. You don't have to pretend like, like you're a wandering sheep. No, you're a shepherd. You've been pursuing people like crazy. Ask God, God, give me the stamina. And if this is who you are, we need you to share that in these circles because so often we just, we take the lower bar. We need to be stretched. We need to know that there are people that are really just going after it. And they're growing up and maturing. And if, if you come here this morning, you go, man, I'm actually the teacher of the law. Ask God, God, why am I resistant to you? Why is it that, that every time people talk about Jesus or every time I'm around people, why am I, I so resistant to you? And ask God, if you really want this, will you help me? So I invite you right now, let's break up into groups of two or three. Let's just have a, a time of prayer identifying where you are, inviting God to come into it. So let's do that for the next 10 minutes or so. I'll get back up and I'll send us to communion. So let's pray right now in groups.